Hello and welcome to the Luke Miller Podcast. I'm glad that you're able to join me today. On this week's episode, we're finishing our series on Unstuck, which is looking at prayer and how we can use it in our lives. And we're focusing again on Psalm 119, verses 9 through 16, where we're taking a look at what it means for us to pray through the Psalms, pray through God's Word, and use God's Word as a tool in our life that makes it not only come alive, but wants us to live it out and wants us to give out God's Word. I'm excited for today as we finish this up. I hope you are too. So why don't you grab your Bibles, turn to Psalm 119, and let's dive in. Last week, we took a look at the first, well, all of the verses in in Psalm 119, verses 9 through 16, and... But a good chunk of what we spent time on were kind of the what the psalmist says that we should do to make God's word come alive. But kind of the, what will I do in order to make this happen? And we saw, in, just to recap, in verse 10, it was, seek God with all my heart. Then it was to memorize God's word. Then came to recount all that God says, to go over repeatedly, to enumerate what, what God says so I know it over and over. To rejoice in God's word and to meditate on his word and his ways and and to delight in his decrees. Now, part of what that was is saying as we look at our series Unstuck and what it means for us to live a life of prayer and what prayer means in our, our own lives. That one area in verse 15 where it says meditate on God's word, I mean, here you have something, and I want to go over it again, where where so often we think meditation and we think in Eastern meditation, which really the goal is to empty the mind. But in biblical meditation, as we read in Psalm 119, it actually involves filling the mind with the word of God. And, uh, and, and so... I use the example of Psalm 119 itself as how we pray through Scripture and something that that we can do, where we say, "God, I pray that I will seek you with all my heart. God, do not let me do not let me stray from from your commands. Uh, God, I pray that I will will hide your word in my heart so I will be readily able to use it in every part of my life, and that I might not sin against you." And God, I pray that as I read your word, you teach me your decrees. And with my lips, I recount all the laws that come from your mouth. And God, I pray that I will be able to use it in a practical way as I go throughout this week. And I rejoice in your statutes and I rejoice in who you are and what you've done in my life. And so I use that kind of as an example. And I just read through the first or verses 9 through uh, 13 there and and that's kind of saying, how do I pray through the Psalms? Yes, I go to God with with all sorts of different things, but I, I really love sometimes just reading through the Psalms, especially Psalms of Thanksgiving, and say, you know, how can I make this prayer, uh, this same prayer to God in my life? And that's that's really what we're doing, is saying, how do we build those rhythms into our life where prayer is a regular thing, where time with God is a regular thing? Now, now after all of those six different I wills, there's a I won't in there. All the positive exhortations that are given, there's one negative exclamation. And it says, I will not, in verse 16, neglect God's word. And and this means to, you know, to mislay or 
you know, to misread. You know, we're to read and to feed, but we won't do anything until we admit that we need God's word. Not just in the moments where I'm in trouble, not just in the moments that I am struggling, but I need God's word in every part of my life. That last phrase, I will not neglect your word. I mean, talk about resolution and determination. The psalmist knows that his tendencies is to take God's word for granted and to let it collect dust. So he declares that he will not neglect it. Now, I, for those of you who listen to Sunrise on Sundays, you may know, you may have heard this story before, uh, where, where it is, what does it look like? Or where I, I told a story about my childhood and dare I, Tell it again. Do not hold this against me. I've confessed my sins. God has forgiven me, and so will you for this story. But but kind of what's happening here is when we say neglect word, God's word, I wonder how much of us would really care if if we lost our Bibles, you know, or they were suddenly all confiscated from us. And as a kid, our, our Sunday school teacher would, would give us cinnamon buns if we brought our Bibles on Sundays. Now, as any kid... I was not the greatest at remembering things, and so often I would forget my Bible. However, I loved cinnamon buns, which created a paradox for me in my own life. And at that young age, I like cinnamon buns, but I don't have a Bible. So I solved that paradox by going to the churches lost and found at the time and finding a Bible that someone had left behind and simply writing my name in it and collecting collecting my cinnamon bun. Don't worry, at the end of it, I returned it to the to the lost and found at the church. Now that worked out great, however, until until one day my dad had forgot his Bible and he went to, uh, and he left it at church the week before. And when he went to go find it, he opened it up and wouldn't you know, there's my name in it. Like I had done with all the other Bibles to show that it was mine. I wrote my name on the front page and then collected my cinnamon bun and returned it. Obviously, I was in a lot of trouble as my dad started to open up more and more Bibles in the Lost and Found, and all of them said Luke Miller at that, which made him realize not only how many illegal cinnamon buns I was collecting, but also how many times I had forgotten my Bible, right? And I think like in that story, which of course you're not judging me for, is this picture of of what would happen if the Bible has disappeared from our lives? Has the Bible disappeared from our lives? So we find ourselves in a place where we are asking that question of, of is God's word being readily used in my life? Am I using this in, in every way? Uh, Amos chapter 8, verses 11 through 12 says, The days are coming, declares the sovereign Lord, when I will send famine throughout through the land. Not a famine of food or thirst or for water, but a famine of hearing the words of the Lord. Men will stagger from the sea, from sea to sea, and wander from north to east, searching for the word of the Lord, but they will not find it. It's a scary time. Not not because of just what was written here in Amos, but there's this reality in Scripture that how quickly it takes for one generation to forget God's word if it's not taught to them. And, and if anything, in this Amos passage, it tells us that, that we should be in a place where that does not happen. This is a warning uh, given by the prophet. This doesn't have to happen. If you hide God's word in your heart, if you seek God with all your heart, then this will not happen. 
We don't want to find ourselves in this place of spiritual famine or where God's word is 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 nowhere to be found in our lives. That's what what Amos is talking about. The people of Israel at the time had had found themselves in a place where they had decided God's word wasn't relevant anymore, and they had decided to follow pagan gods and all sorts of other bad things. And I'm sure we don't need to make the draw. It doesn't take too much to draw the line from Amos chapter eight to what's going on in our culture right now where we focus on other things and the world focuses on other things and God's word may fall into the the background and and you could say that that across western culture there is spiritual famine as so many people don't know Jesus yet Jesus is readily available to them the bible is readily available to them however there's famine in their hearts um and they do not know the word of God so that's a challenge what what do i need from God in this, right? So we know not what not to do now. Do not neglect God's word. And and we see a few things that come out of this. And we can pray these same requests for ourselves and for our family members. One, keep me from straying. This is the request in verse 10, where it is that, that challenge for each and every one of us to uh, not wander from God's word, not make not water down the gospel, not make exceptions to the truth of God. And and it is very easy to do that. You look across uh, North America and you look at churches who have decided to water down God's gospel and the, the gospel message so that it could be more appealing to others. Yet, as they make it more appealing, they take away biblical truth and only use half-truths. So it, so we say, how do we keep, well, we pray to God to keep us from straying, as the psalmist says in verse 10. The other is in verse 12, to teach me from the scriptures. We see this in verse 12, where adoration leads to asking, praise be to you, O Lord, teach me your degree, de, uh, decrees. And, and as we look at this, we have to say to ourselves, I am choosing to believe that he is my hope. He is my peace. He is my refuge. He is my strength. He is my overcomer. He is giving me confidence. Faith comes from hearing and hearing by the word of God. I'm renewing my mind. I'm washing it with God's word. And it is great. I have given him my whole heart is really the statement that we pray and that we want. Verse 12 is that praising God, singing hallelujah to God, and asking him to teach me daily as we walk through his word. So, so what do we do with actions in this, right? I think that's probably uh, the, the the big thing that we the, we want to ask ourselves. Applying scripture to our lives is something that that we all have to take into account. You know, what can I take away from this? In Mark chapter twelve, verse twenty-four, it says, "Are you not in error because you do not know the Scripture or the power of God?" What do I see? What does it say? What does it mean to me? How can I act on it? And as I look at this, I think there's some things that we can simply ask. Some simple questions on uh, on what to uh, that we can ask ourselves. One: Is there a sin to confess. 
I think that's a great place to start because I firmly believe that restoration and reconciliation can be one of the strongest parts of, uh, of a biblical walk and of a church life and of an individual's spiritual walk. Is there a sin to confess? The other is, is there a promise to claim? You know, have you been holding off or not realizing that there is a promise that God has given that, that you have not taken into account? Remembering a promise that he is always there for you, that he will be with you. Maybe as you're going through tough times, it's even just claiming that promise and saying, oh yeah, God, you promised that I will be, I will go through persecution. So I realize that, that as I'm going through this, this is a promise that you have made that I'm walking through to refine me and to help me. I think even more so, it's as we look at the psalm and in 119, it says at the very beginning, how can a young man keep his way pure? By living according to God's word. And and this is being written as wisdom, as that statement to give to them, uh, to, the, to whoever is reading this, to that young man. Are there other examples to follow? So is there a sin to confess? Is there a promise to claim? Is there an example to follow? Is there a... Co- yeah, is there an example to follow? Is there a command to obey? And and really the last one, is there a stumbling block that I need to avoid? Listen to the words of Jesus in John 8, verse 37. I know you are Abraham's descendants, yet you are ready to kill me because you have no room for my word. That is a, a very bold statement and and no doubt cut through the heart of the Pharisees as they were hearing this. I know you're Abraham's descendants. I know you're God's chosen people, yet you are ready to kill me because you have no room for my word. The question that we ask is, do you have room for the word of God right now? Are you reading God's word? Are you feeding God's word? Are you needing it? And then are you living it out? Are you taking into account what you have learned? Here are two dangerous statements that I sometimes hear people make. One, I know what the Bible says, but... And in James 1.22 says, do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. I will just pause here because I heard a shocking story the other day that, that dealt with a, a church that had been that had been speaking and had been uh, teaching. And on a Sunday, they invited someone up who was living a life of sin and not in any way wanting to restore, and they decided to live a a, a different lifestyle. And and they interviewed this person. And just to say, you know, hey, you are accepted and and God loves you. And this is what I talked about last week, about watering down the word to, to say what we wanted to say. And at the very end of this interview, as this person who is actively living in sin and knowing that they do that in not confessing it as a sin is ask the question, what do you hope Jesus will say to you one day? And she said, when I get to heaven, I hope that Jesus says, well done, good and faithful servant, except for this one thing. <laughs> and I could not believe it. I, I, I heard this yesterday and I am still in shock about it because because that is so absurd that you would get to a point where you would say, you know what, I I don't, God will just say, you know what, that sin is fine with, with zero confession or anything, that you living out a life of sin is totally fine. 
um, and living that lifestyle that they were living is totally fine. That God, that God would say that your hope would be that Jesus would say, well done, good and faithful servant, except for that one thing. The danger is, is what is that one thing? That except that one thing is not going to lead you to a life in eternity. And that is the ultimate danger in this. Uh, and, and so when I say, I know what the Bible says, but here is what I really want out of it. The other is, I know it's wrong, but God will forgive me, so I'll just do it anyways. This is exactly what I've said. Romans 6, 1 to 2. What shall we say then? Shall we go on sinning so that grace may increase? By no means. We died to sin. How can we live in it, live it in it any longer? Meaning, um, if when we know that it is a sin and when we live, actively live in it, we're going against God's word. Um, and, and so I look at this as these two dangerous statements that, that we often hear. It means that there's those action steps that we also need to make in this. One, find a Bible that's easy to understand. And, and I know some people struggle in reading through scriptures simply because, um, you don't have a Bible that's very readable and, and find something. I mean, if you need a Bible, send a message to us here at sunrise.church slash welcome. We've got a form there and say, I need a Bible and I need one that's easy to read. And I would love for you, I would love for us to be able to send you a Bible. That's the, the, the easiest thing for us to do. Uh, the second is guard yourself against that fatigue. Read the Bible again as if it's for the first time. Get excited for it. Have that passion for it. Have that reverence for it. That memorizing God's word and meditating on God's word and, and saying, what does that look like in, in, in day-to-day life? And seek places to set to, to study God's word, whether it is in a, a small group or a rooted group at sunrise or or in one of our re-engaged marriage groups or or whether it's in a bible study or sunday school and on sunday morning find yourself in a place where you actively study god's word where people are asking you what is god saying to you in this verse the holy spirit is working through you as you read god's word so know that god is speaking to you he's got something to say to you and he wants you to share that with others as well now one of my one of the other things that I love, and this is a challenge, and I have been working on this, but it has been a huge impact for me, is um, is I say it's great to pass along you long used Bibles. Uh, here at Sunrise, when our college kids graduate or our high schoolers graduate, we set out Bibles for them for a couple of weeks in the lobby of the church, and anyone can take that. Bible and underline it and write notes in it and show how different verses have been so meaningful to them. And so it's a way of the church community building into the life of, of those high schoolers. Um, on my on my shelf, and one thing, the book I am most proud of on my shelf is a Hebrew Bible from, uh, from 1897. Uh, and it was, it's actually my uncle's, which was passed on to him. And it is, uh, I mean, it has got all these amazing notes in it. It's a first edition of, of this Hebrew Bible uh, written by a group of Germans. Uh, and so it's this first edition copy of it. And I love it. And it is easily my favorite book on the shelf. 
not just because it's the Bible, but because of the history and the story that comes with it and how many people have read through those pages and taught from God's word from those pages. And, and I challenge us to do that with our, uh, with the future generation is be able to pass that on and pass on that knowledge that you have gained as you've read God's word and to do that. Uh, I'll finish also with just with saying this is, um, you know, there's a great story of someone I heard who did this, that, that they just, every year they read through the Bible and followed that yearly reading thing. And each year they started with a new Bible. And when they were done, they gave that Bible with all of their notes to their grandkids so that they, as a present, so that they could have that. So on their birthdays, they would uh, get this Bible at a certain age and it would have all of that notes from that, um, from that grandfather. I mean, what a great story that is. What a, what a great picture that is. And not just leaving it up to one person, but passing wisdom and knowledge down and biblical truth down from one generation to the next generation to the next generation. So, so as, I, as I finish up here, I think this is a great place to stop as we look at what it means to, to pray and to read God's word and meditate God's word, but also to, to build into other people's life with God's word and biblical truth. So I hope you can take some of these challenges as we've looked at Psalm 119. Next week, I promise, we are going to be starting looking at archaeology and history and a study of the passion narrative and all the different places where where Jesus stopped along the way as he was heading into Jerusalem and eventually to his death and resurrection on, uh, on Easter. So we're going to dive into that and take a look at the significance of all the different places. But I'm not going to get too ahead of myself. I'm going to stop there. So I will say take care, have a great week, and I'll talk to you next week. Thank you for joining us on the Luke Miller Podcast, part of Sunrise Digital Ministries at Sunrise Community Church in Fair Oaks, California. If you're wanting to know more about our digital ministries, you can download our app at the Google Play Store or the Apple Store, where you'll find Backshed Bible Study, Sunday Sermons, and the Luke Miller Podcast. If you've got questions about who Jesus is or what it means to be a Christ follower, we would love to connect with you. And you can send us a note at www.sunrise.church/welcome, and we'll get you connected. Thanks again for joining us. Take care.